This is the Faith Ventures Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute, telling stories of Christians doing business for the glory of God. If you appreciate this program, support the nonprofit work of LCI by donating at libertarianchristians.com slash donate. And if you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcasts at libertarianchristians.com. Welcome back to Faith Ventures. Uh, today I have joining me Mr. Dan Miller. Uh, he's the owner and founder of Ararat Physiology and the host of the Biblical Anatomy Podcast. He does a lot of different things in the in the in the, the space of kind of biology and phys- physiology, physical therapy, um, physical training. Lots of interesting stuff to talk about today. Excited to have you on the podcast, Dan. Uh, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing quite well. How are you? Oh man, it's, I'm excited to get started with you here uh, because. You know, we had a we, our first conversation was really enlightening. I love talking with you. Um, you also have one of the most magnificent beards I've ever seen, and uh, it is just super cool uh, to talk to somebody like you about uh, about about our faith and what what we're doing today at the marketplace. Uh, so, first off, kind of want to lead off with, you know, tell us a little bit about you, about your career, kind of how you got to where you are today. What are some of the biggest highlights that uh, kind of people will will be able to connect with? Yeah, well, one thing right off the bat that people connect with, we've all been in a job that we don't enjoy. <laughs> and, uh, that was kind of the start to my career from fresh out of high school until about age 26, 27 or so. Uh, I was a telecommunications tech. I was a cable guy. Wow. And, uh, the last four years of that, I, I had the omnipresent thought that life has to be better than this. And I've got to figure something out. And so that promoted me going back to school. Uh, And I got a bachelor's in exercise science, a master's in exercise science, and that led to teaching. So my second career, I was at the college and university level, and it was teaching anatomy and physiology. Uh, During that time, I also got another degree, sort of the beginning of my doctoral studies, but that was more in education and how to teach different learners from all different backgrounds. So just kind of promoting what I was already doing. And so um, that's what I'm doing now as professor of anatomy and physiology, in addition to all the entrepreneurial stuff that we'll talk about. Awesome. So what are, so you, you've kind of gone from a uh, v- variety of tech, of tech uh, jobs into, you know, teaching at, a, at a, the university level, which is really cool. Um, but now you're kind of going into entrepreneurship. What kind of prompted you to ultimately say, like, I want to become an entrepreneur and do something really different here? And, uh, and how, does, how does that kind of proceeded? Well, the long answer is I've always been kind of the oddball of the family and had that entrepreneurial spirit that... You don't say. Family members don't, <laughs> yeah. Most families <laughs> don't resonate with. I come from a family that says, well, you found a job and they have a 401k and they have paid time off and they have a health plan. Like, why are you complaining? <laughs> uh, well, I kind of come from that background, so not a lot of support around the uh, Thanksgiving dinner table there. But the <laughs> short answer is, um, frankly, I don't, I don't even want to be self-employed. I want to be God-employed. I want God to dictate what I do on a daily basis. And I think the most directed way at doing that, and not to say that you can't serve God through many different professions, but the most directed way for me is self-employment, entrepreneurship. So kind of a, a calling to do something like this. Then. Yes, sir. Yeah. So beyond even the vocation, 
This is a this is a profession a, a professional calling that she that she specifically feel. Yeah, the Bible tells us that we're prepared based on our previous experiences. Our story has all unfolded the unique way that it has, so that we're best prepared for today, more or less words. Um, and so, being my technical experience, being my educational experience, I'm prepared to answer that calling as it is directed today. So what is, what is that going to look like then in terms of this new, well, what you're currently doing entrepreneurially and where is that, where is that leading you right now? Right. So right now we're uh, looking to start a school and we're hoping to accomplish that in 2024. We believe it's going to be the college freshman level is the main area of focus or the main uh, population served. And we believe that we can do anatomy and physiology better. Uh, we call mm-hmm. what we do biblical anatomy. That's the name of our podcast and the name of a lot of stuff that we do. And uh, in the 30 roughly times I've taken anatomy and physiology, I've never heard God referenced. I've never heard the Bible referenced um, unless it was outside of class and it was derogatory. <laughs> and I've never heard anything connecting how we are made in God's image, Genesis 1, with what the scientists have, have observed. Everything in anatomy and physiology from what I've experienced is look how awesome science is and look at all these things that we've found rather than giving credit to God, our father, our creator. And so we believe we can do anatomy and physiology better. We believe we can assist students that are struggling with the subject matter. And we can also give them the complete story rather than the incomplete story that we've been given thus far. And so you, you said that uh, initially this is going to be kind of at the baccalaureate level. Um, so you're going to be providing that level of education. Do you, have a, you think that that's going to go into you know, kind of younger, younger ages? Or are you gonna, how, how are you kind of planning to expand there? Yeah, so we're going to niche down at first. We're going to start in Idaho. We're going to start with Bible colleges. And we're going to start with non-denominational Bible colleges. And so that mm-hmm. ripples out to all Bible colleges in all states. And then once we permeate that direction, then it can go age direction as well. So um, it's going to take a while to get there. And it's all based in prayer on a daily basis. And how, God, do you want us to expand that circle? So if that takes us into the K through 12 field, then it will take us to the K through 12 field. Um, But that'll be my guess sometime to come. Now, that doesn't mean that if somebody is a sophomore in high school and they'd like to be a part of this, that there won't be online resources available for that individual. And we'll make sure that those are available for a number of individuals, but our target audience is going to be that specific. Cool. And so you 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 noted that that part of your motivation for this is the uh, the, the the desire to put out something that is like this flat out like better product. That's right. a that's a big motivating factor there. Um, but my I, I think you also probably have some views on like why this educational venture. Uh, is is kind of special, relevant, or like kind of related to the way in which, it, it, uh, say, public schools or universities operate to begin yep. with. To what extent does that kind of play into it as well? Well, I can speak more firmly to the higher education sector than I can K through 12, although mm-hmm. I do have experience in both. Um, but speaking at the higher education level, there are two main problems at the universities and colleges of America. Uh, One, the majority of them are for-profit and they serve the almighty dollar more than they serve God, more than they serve the students that they bring in. Mm -hmm. Um, 
after you graduate, the majority of emails you receive are donate to us. Mm-hmm. And there'll be no sort of connection thereafter. It's been very difficult for me to keep connections with um, members of staff, whether they be, they be professors or otherwise, from my collegiate experience. The other main thing, and we could dig deeper into that certainly, but the other main thing is the number of students available. So as a freshman in college, you're likely going to enter a lecture hall of about 300 individuals for anatomy and physiology. You'll have one professor and you'll have probably about five TAs. So your immediate odds of actually having one-on-one contact <laughs> professor are basically none. And they're a little bit better for the TA, but they're still pretty close to none. Most students haven't developed the ability to advocate for themselves, which further decreases the odds that they will be able to create meaningful connection with that professor or even those TAs. And so a lot of these students learn very early on how to teach themselves, which can be a very good thing. And we do teach that and we teach it a different way. But we want to be able to promote that more one-on-one experience where you are catered to and you're not being taught by somebody whose salary is at least 50% based in research, as most Mm. universities are. In fact, 12 credits across the country is considered full-time for most students. And most universities, they quantify full-time employment the same way. And they'll say, six credits, we want you to focus on Uh, research. And the other six credits will be your classes, which is two, three credit classes. Some universities go further. It'll be nine credits of research in only one class. And so when you have that set up, it's no wonder with the pressures of research that that's the instructor's focus, Mm. not the student. I'll give you a, a quick example that I went through personally. We had an instructor who was a chemistry instructor at the college I went to. And, uh, most students were not a fan, not a fan. And personally, I wasn't a fan either, but I'm not going to overstep and like throw somebody's livelihood uh, under, under the train. I, I wasn't about that, but other students were, and there was a petition that came around to sign to basically climb the ladder and discuss this with her superiors. And the answer that those students received from the superiors is this professor generates X number of dollars in research for the university (laughs) on a nice day. And so it didn't matter what product was coming to the students in that instance. She was so valuable because of the research contribution to the university that she had, which is why a lot of students will go to community colleges if they're looking for a teacher and they'll go to universities if they have to. Yeah, there is something to that. I mean, we've certainly, you know, having, having spent my own considerable amount of time in the academic arena, even for chemistry and whatnot, there are definitely people who are uh, more suited for the R&D or the research side uh, of the university rather than the teaching side. And it is tricky to, I think it's really tricky for universities to balance that. Um, kind of, I, I guess I have a considerable amount of it. My experience being, you know, so, so much in that realm, it is very awkward yep. uh, to be sure. Yeah, so I can I can understand that. I don't know exactly what it's probably like in, you know, in places like anatomy and physiology per se, but I would assume that the the problems are similar as you're indicating. They're very similar. Um, since that class is usually more a freshman sophomore level class, mm-hmm. here's a different issue, and it's more along the adjunct realm. Whereas mm-hmm. you're well aware of 
universities are more inclined to hire somebody contract as an adjunct instructor so they don't have to carry all those benefits associated with tenure. Oh, yeah. Stability mm-hmm. associated with tenure. So it becomes the stability of the class is the same quality class being taught semester after semester after semester when you have this adjunct problem. And with that, when you look at that, it, it's, it's a problem of not only continuity with the class, but a problem of investment in the instructor. Because if you look at the salaries that these adjunct professors are getting, personally, I wonder why people keep signing up for it. Because yeah. <laughs> there's a huge discrepancy between a tenured staff and an adjunct staff. Mm-hmm. And you hear about quiet quitting and lazy jobs and all this stuff that's occurring. It, it, does, it doesn't take very much in this world that we live in, somebody that isn't very ethically sound to do uh-huh. the bare minimum in a course like that because of what they're getting paid. Yeah. And they justify it because of what they're getting paid. Well, well who yeah. loses? It's the student. Uh-huh. Students who loses in that instance. Yep, yeah, it's a, uh, and this is probably a major reason why you know, uh, as we, as our world is continually evolving, that uh, the usefulness of university education in this regard, like even even in sciences, is kind of in question at times, uh, yep. and so it is yet to be determined what the exact replacement will be, um, but there needs to be considerable improvement to get to where we need to be. Yep. Um, so definitely respect what you're, you know, what you're doing as to, as to trying to provide kind of this alternative form of education uh, that, that people can, uh, can, can use to get better at what they want to do. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's all based in service of the Lord, of course. And mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but if I went to school directly out of college, which I didn't, or directly out of high school, which I didn't, I was a cable technician. I mm-hmm. promise you I would not be using that degree. I didn't yeah. know what I wanted to do with my life at 18, 19. Heck, at 25, yeah. I was still quite confused. So <laughs> um, the traditional yeah. population of 18 to 22, maybe it's not such a bad idea. They take a gap and they look at something that's an alternative. Maybe it's not such a bad idea. They try something even entrepreneurial based yeah. as they're figuring things out. And I think that most of us, I mean, we know the prefrontal cortex doesn't finish development until 25. Mm-hmm. You could argue in minutes about 55, but um, <laughs> honestly, that's a joke. But, um, <laughs> I got you. <laughs> but um, these are seven years for most people that they're really kind of molding clay and they're figuring things out. And if they are going to pursue something in medical sciences or anatomical sciences or strength and conditioning or whatever, we want to present something that, again, tells the complete truth with the Bible and two is a safe environment where if it doesn't work out, if it's not where the direction they want to go, they're not now $40,000 in student loan debt over yeah. this decision they made at 18 years old. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's interesting to kind of consider that, you know, just the, the implications for education in that manner as opposed to what is, you know, being promulgated now. Um, and, and I think it's, you know, we, we talked about this previously, you and I together about this, the, the stark difference of education now and the, and the debts incurred versus when, you know, we were initially kind of coming through and we, you know, you and I were fortunate in this regard. Um, but it's very disturbing to look at the, where, where things are going now and being like, man, we, there's, there's going to be a shakeup and, there, and it's, it's like, it, it, this is not sustainable. 
It's like no. social security. It's not sustainable. <laughs> it's gonna get it's gonna fall apart sooner or later. Correct. Um, so, so that's really interesting to kind of hear where you're directionally going there. Uh can so as we kind of, you know, as we uh, kind of think about some of these, the business aspects of this and kind of how you've been developing this. And can you identify perhaps, you know, a, some additional moments in your journey uh, that kind of led you to this point? Um, and if, if in particular, like you've talked about, you know, feeling a calling to this effect. Um, where, where, what kind of things did you perhaps say, things that you thought you understood, you realized something, and this led you to make a decision in a particular direction. And if your faith kind of played into that as well, um, I think that would be that'd be great to highlight too. Uh, you kind of hinted at a couple of those things, and and just maybe unpack that a little more if you if you will. Certainly, certainly appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. So probably two years ago, I remember sitting with my wife and uh, talking about how how can I make the class I teach, which is a secular anatomy and physiology. How can I make it biblical? And it started really small, just mentioning that we are God's creation and those sorts of things. And we are coming home from church one day and our church has you fill out an attendance form, very old school. And at the bottom, it says prayer requests. And my wife looks at it and uh, she's like, that's, that's interesting. And I said, yeah, maybe I'll do like an attendance form so students can fill out and you know, it'll be easier for me to connect names with faces when it's a new semester and those sorts of things. And she says, yeah, and you can include prayer requests at the bottom. And I said, well, you just got me fired. Um, <laughs> now I have to do it. I'm aware of it, right? And I know that you're right in this. So now I have to do it. So let's see where this goes. And at work, that was met with some pushback, but not as much pushback as I thought. About a year later, I said, I want to do something more. I, you know, we're, we have these attendance forms. I'm mentioning God quite a bit on campus, um, but I need to do something more. And Wednesday morning, I meet with a group of guys who are essential. Uh, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at if I didn't have that men's group. And in that men's cool. group yeah. talking about this, uh, one of my friends said, well, why don't you start a Bible study on campus? And it was the same experience with my wife. I'm like, well, that's going to get me fired. <laughs> now I'm aware I have to do this, right? And so I started the process and uh, senior leadership was very avoidant with my emails on this topic. You could tell that this was a step higher than simple prayer requests on an attendance form. Okay. And uh, I had to dig and dig and dig. And finally, I spoke to basically the head of HR who uh, sat down with me on a Zoom call and said, your Bible study doesn't align with our mission statement. Hey. And that was the moment where I said, my days, my days are numbered. My mm -hmm. days are numbered because, I mean, just strictly business, I respect it. You've told me where your mission statement is and that there's not an alignment. There's no gray area. There's no confusion. If that's how you want to run your business, I respect capitalism. I respect your ability and your right to do that. But clearly, based on who I am, there is now a separation there that is different. And so it's about a year ago. Um, and since um, since then, I've basically exited out of that specific college. I teach at a couple separate universities, but that specific college, I knew my days were numbered at that point in time. Interesting. Yeah. 
So th- did you find that to be like a kind of a, a I mean, you've, a ch- like a real challenge uh, that it, you know, what made you nervous about it or what, how did, how did it kind of make you feel? And, you know, as you were going through that whole thing? Well, first it's the, it's a male provider in me, right? It's like, well, that's going to okay. get me fired. Yeah. And yeah. There's all that. those <laughs> things to go with it. I'm not going to be able to pay the mortgage. I'm not going to be able to pay the utility bills, all those sorts of things. But as my wife so eloquently reminds me all the time, are we here to serve man or are we here to serve God? And anytime I've went all in with my chips with God, it's always worked out. And anytime I've done anything different, there's been a roundabout I've had to go through at minimum, if not a valley or a peak that I've had to climb. And so we've put our faith in that. We've put our faith in that process, regardless of how uncomfortable that may make us. So our challenge with it was really quite secular. It was really based in the things that are of, of man, money, mm-hmm. and luxuries, those sorts of things. So um, it's, it's, it's turned over a new leaf for us. It's had us rely less on that. And it's actually reduced some idolization. I have a really nice truck out front that I enjoy dearly. I've had for about five years. Well, it's got a for sale sign in it now. And I think mm-hmm. I'll get that truck back one day. But if there's any form of idolization with that truck, this is a means that leaving this job and selling that truck to make sure some of those essentials are covered is the lesson. It's part of the lesson in cutting down what I'm holding so dear. And I think I can speak for most Christians. The moment that we let go of that idolization, we end up getting it right back. Hmm. The moment we tithe and we give to the church, all of a sudden we get a refund somewhere else that we weren't expecting. All of a sudden we get a tax rebate or, or whatever. Um, and so we've really banked on that to let go of those things that we may or may not be idolizing and just give faith to God. So our insecurities and our challenges are really for the most part, probably 99% based in things that aren't biblical. Huh? I mean, that's, that's a great, that's a great point. And, and I, man, you got to respect the, you know, the, the kind of, mindfulness about recognizing where where we where our shortcomings are like it's very easy to get blindsided to our own idolizing of of things of people of even ideas uh and it's like even even with what we do in, in our in our organization here at lci like people people can you know we can you can get uh myopic about this stuff and you don't even realize it at times yep and so it's really important to have that level of mindfulness. And uh, I mean, much respect to the, you know, having, having the, the presence of mind to be like, this is something I have to take care of. Uh, that's a really, that's, a, that's an inspiring story because I, 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 it's hard to know sometimes how to, how to deal with this stuff and uh, to, to see examples like you going in and, and really making that, that difference in your own life and in your family's life. That's that's really interesting to hear. So thank you for sharing that. I know that's that's got to be tough. Yeah, and it's you know so many times I didn't know things were an issue until they were an issue, right? Sure. But part of the Christian faith is now you're aware. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? And and idolization has been easily pointed out in my life because when I'm aware, if I cling tight, it's an idol. Mm-hmm. If I'm aware and I say, okay. I know what to do and I let go. That's not so much of an issue. 
um, which further helps in the future, right? So I'll take my Bible with me to men's poker. And people say, okay. well, you can't go play poker. That's anti-biblical. It says in the Bible, <laughs> you, can't, you can't gamble, which it doesn't say that in the Bible. Yeah. Um, our Wednesday morning group talked about that in depth one day. But if gambling was my issue where I come home and I say, sorry, sweetie, I've spent $2,000 and I have no idea how it <laughs> happened, right? That's an idol. That's something I'm clinging yeah. to. I don't want to give up that gambling. But if I can use that as an opportunity to disciple, and I've had some really cool conversations at the poker table, just asking people what their favorite verse is, or just mm. simply having the Bible next to my poker chips. And so that's, that's an off-tangent story. But the point is, when I approach it that way on my clinginess, how much do I cling to it? It makes it easy to identify what's an idol in my life and what's not an idol in my life. Right now, football is probably the biggest idol in my life. <laughs> and your fantasy teams, I presume? <laughs> fantasy teams, I have a lot easier time letting go of, but I've been a Philadelphia Eagles fan since the late 80s. Uh, and we suffered a heartbreaking uh, Super Bowl loss last year. Uh -huh. and it's really easy to go down that hole and uh, <laughs> idolize far too much. I get it. My, for myself, I, I've uh, kind of progressively let go of a lot of sports because <laughs> I have so many other responsibilities, but I can definitely yeah. see... You definitely see how that works for, for folks. So I can respect it. That's funny. For certain. Well, uh, let's, uh, as we kind of begin drawing to a close here, uh, Daniel, I want to uh, kind of focus in on a couple other little questions and, and give you an opportunity to kind of uh, close us out in a bit. Uh, first off, the one, one, this is one of my favorite questions to ask uh, my guests here on this show. Uh, and that's imagine that you could go back in time and give your younger self some advice about your work, your business, your faith, uh, and kind of how all those play together. Um, and we've talked a lot about already about kind of the, the, that journey um, of self-discovery, even of going from technology to teaching to now this kind of entrepreneur's uh, journey as well. What kind of advice, though, would you want to give yourself um, early on to that effect? Uh, I and mean, what would you, you know, perhaps tell yourself to do differently or yep. uh, what to take that however you like, I suppose, and, and see what you, see what you think. Yeah. I've often throughout my life asked my 40 year old self, which I guess is me now, um, <laughs> or my 50 year old self, what, what do I think that they would say to me to try and work this in reverse? Oh, so yeah, I had okay. some insight earlier on and and I don't think I was very accurate with what I thought that they would tell me at those times. But being that age now, looking back, it'd be real simple advice. Uh, and the advice would be, it's not about you. Really? It's not about you. I was so self-centered in my 20s. Everything, I was egocentric. Everything mm -hmm. revolved around me and every decision I made was pros and cons. Does it benefit me or not? There was mm -hmm. zero selflessness there. So that would be my primary advice uh, to my probably 18 through 32-year-old self is it's not about you. Yeah, it's interesting to kind of connect what you just said there to the way in which, you know, you, you kind of have described what you're doing now in anatomy and physiology and with your podcast is, you know, in, in a business sense, we kind of say you're customer focused. Um, but also you've, you've, very clearly noted that, you know, God is your audience as well there. And so that, that kind of, that focus point is, uh, is, is definitely rings true and clear. Uh, so I, it's interesting to kind of connect where you are now and the way you explain that to, to what you're saying was, this was my problem then, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. 
a really interesting discussion as any of my uh, major friends that have known me for that long. Uh-huh. Uh, because I'm even blinded to it in so many different ways. But uh, if you talk to my core friends that have known me since high school, uh, they probably have a lot to say on how different <laughs> I am these days. Awesome. Well, that's that's certainly the the a major factor of where we are is in a, in our Christian life is just looking at like that our our competition is not always is not flesh and blood, um, but rather you know the the powers and principalities around us. And one of those is kind of like the way in which uh, the 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 way in which we view ourselves, yeah. uh, which holds a lot of power. That that is self image is is really important to kind of take control of. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, in in kind of in closing here as well, um, any other, before we kind of uh, close out, any other kind of messages or words of wisdom that you would have for our audience as they're, you know, seeking to serve God in their in their business and and, uh, and throughout their lives? Uh, what, what other things would you like to just make sure that people don't walk away from this, this talk we've had together having heard? Well, as Christians, we're called for a relationship. And as an introvert who would rather sit at home and watch football, uh, that's <laughs> a challenge for me. And, um, and I get that. And I get that I can't avoid it. I have to work on it. And so I would probably take the, probably the best advice I've ever received from anyone. It was an old football coach that I worked under. And he said, in regards to other people, assume good intentions. Because so often we hear something the wrong way or it's through a text or an email from somebody And that is just an open box. It's an open avenue for the devil to attack us and start Mm. helping us believe these lies that aren't aren't even truth from the get-go. And so the more we can work with others and while we're working with others, no matter what they say, assume good intentions, I think Mm -hmm. the better off we are. Uh, That's that's good. It's a good way to, it's good to hear. And I think, yeah, you're right. It's really easy sometimes to, with the lack of, uh, of facial expressions and and tone of voice and whatnot to to easily you know read what people say poorly. Um, yep. but, so thank you for that reminder as well. That's good. Well, uh, well, Daniel, uh, let us know how we can reach you or or follow you online. Let's talk uh, re- review once more where we can find you and uh, if they want to you know check out your your courses and things that you offer. Uh, where can they find you online? Well, our main website is airatphysiology.com. Spelled just like Mount Ararat, yes. Exactly, (laughs) spelled just like Mount Ararat. And over the last two years that I've been working with that name, I realized how much I enjoy the name, but how bad of a name it is because it's (laughs) not one that people spell out real well. So um, we also own the domain of biblicalanatomy.com and they both go to the same place. And truth be told, biblicalanatomy.com is probably what we will use going forward. And Mm -hmm. that corresponds with the name of our podcast, Biblical Anatomy, which you can find on all the major podcast platforms. But if you're a parent of a high schooler that's about to be in college and you're worried about these sort of things, maybe you're a parent and you're just interested in biblical anatomy yourself, or maybe you're of that age group uh, that that is struggling with anatomy and physiology and looking for the full story. We'd love it if you started with our podcast. We're going to answer a lot of questions there for free for people. And being a college freshman at one point in my life myself, I understand how appealing free is. (laughs) But eventually, as we continue to build this school, that's certainly going to have an online presence. Uh, We're going to have a membership and we're going to have a bunch of different courses in there that you can learn about different subjects within anatomy and physiology, of course, always. 
through a biblical lens. So check out the podcast, check out the website. You'll find us there. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Daniel, for joining us here. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. All right. This has been another episode of Faith Ventures. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next time.